This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Ugh. Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello! I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. I am your host, as always, Shane Told. It is so good to have you listening to this fine program, episode 91. Dennis from 88 Fingers Louie is on the show. One of my favorite bands of all time. So cool to have him. You know, one thing... I never really talked about on this show before is how many friends I've made doing this. You know, you talk about 91 episodes. Sure. A lot of the people I have on the show, I've met them before. Uh, I've toured with them before. Some of them are, are just acquaintances. Some of them are really, really good friends. But a lot of them, I don't know at all. And I've never met them before. And some of them, I just happen to be huge fans of. And whenever it's one of those people... Um, you know, I think back to like Fat Mike, who I guess I know Fat Mike a little bit, but uh, Dennis from Refuse, that's a great example of a guy who I'd never met before and was just like, wow, this guy is so influential to me. I can get a little bit nervous. And whenever I get to talk to one of my favorite band's lead singers, like today, I do get a little bit nervous. But that being said, it's a great episode with Dennis from 88 Fingers Louie. Thank you everyone so much for joining me. And I'm sure a lot of the younger people listening to this show, they might not know who 88 Fingers Louie is, but I'll tell you, you really should. 88 was one of the staples of the early skate punk movement, which was big, you know, with Fat Records, Epitaph, Hopeless Records, and they put out a classic album, their first album called Behind Bars. Then, right as they were about to get huge, they broke up. And it was a sad moment for me. I never got to see the band until they came back with an even better record back on the streets. But then guess what? They broke up again. And then what happened next was pretty crazy. Two of the members of the band, Joe Principe and Dan, a.k.a. Mr. Precision, started a new band with a new singer, and that band was called Rise Against. So it was very cool to get Dennis's opinion on the demise of 88 Fingers Louie, the rise of Rise Against, the rise of Rise Against, and now 
The Great Return of 88 Fingers Louie. They have a brand new album out now. It is awesome. And I'm very excited to see them play. I hope I can ASAP. Before we jump into that, shout out to all my sinners out in Australia. I am coming for you. I am heading to Australia this Friday to play solo with my project River Oaks. I'm playing with Hawthorne Heights. It's going to be a time. I am playing pretty much all of the Australian major cities and more. So check that out. I'm sure you can figure out where to buy tickets or whatever you got to do. But um, if you see me, if you see me around, see me at the show, come say what's up. I'm doing this tour completely solo. I'm not even bringing anyone with me. Um, the first flight is 22 hours um, on the plane. That's plus stopovers all the way from Toronto to Perth. So, wow. So, yeah. So, I might be a little lonely. So, yeah. Come say what's up. And as always, if you ever see me in public, if you ever see me at a show, please come say what's up. It's always nice to hear. People say, oh, Shane, I dig the podcast. This was my favorite episode. So, I love all that stuff. Also, my band Silverstein has a brand new record out now. It's been out for about a month. It continues to top the charts. Well, not really, but it's doing very, very well. Thank you to everyone who's checked it out so far, whether it's like an actual vinyl purchase or just, you know, streaming a couple tracks on Spotify. It is all good. I just want y'all to hear the new Silverstein record. Also, if you're listening to this show for the first time, welcome. Make sure you're subscribed. Hit the little subscribe button and take a look back. Like I said, we've got 90 episodes. There truly is something for everyone. So please do yourself a favor and check out some of the old episodes as well. And if you want to get in touch with me, it's real easy. We have an email address, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I am on all the social medias. And lastly... If you don't like the show, you can call the hate line. It is 657-666-H-A-T-E. Again, that is 657-666-HATE. Please call, leave me a message, and give it to me, man. Give me the hate. I love the hate. All right, let's jump in to this week's chat with Dennis Buckley of 88 Fingers Louie. I got Dennis on the line. Dennis Buckley of 88 Fingers Louie. Um, one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, oh, sure. And it's <laughs> it's really good to, to talk to you. And, you know, it's funny. I was, I was talking to somebody, and I said uh, to a good friend of mine, and I said, oh, yeah, no, I'm talking to uh, to Dennis Buckley. And they go, mm-hmm. and they go, who's that? I go, oh, Dennis from 88 Fingers Louie. And he goes, oh, I never knew his last name. And I said, I never knew his last name either. Because, you know, like back in those days, you know, the only way you knew who people were was like what it said in like the liner notes of the fucking CD. Right, right. You know, so I knew he was Dennis and like Dennis and Joe and I knew Dan, but I knew him as like Mr. Precision, you know. So it's funny, like, because you guys never put your last names in the in the CD booklet. I never knew. No, I guess we didn't. Yeah, I guess we didn't. You know, it's it's funny back then, too. 
back then too, any any like musician buddies I'd have, like in my phone book or whatever, I would never know their last names either. So it would be, you know, uh, strung out. So it'd be just Rob strung out. It'd be right. You know, Carol Bullevils. It just nobody knew anybody's last name up here, at least down here. It's funny, yeah. No, it's it's funny. It's amazing how those things are changed, and you know now like. I mean, now, like, no one's private anymore. You know, everything's on, out on the internet. Like, you know, um, I remember you had a kid because you had the song, yeah. you know, Joy, Joy Boy, where you talk about your, uh-huh. your kid. So that's the only reason I knew anything personal about you other than what you mm. might read about in an interview. But, like, let's be honest, there wasn't a lot of interviews going on back then, you know, the kids sure. could really read either. It was, like, sometimes there were zines or, like, websites, but, you know, you guys were almost, I mean, you guys predated websites. Yeah. <laughs> we don't keep very, very well up to date. No, it's funny. And you know, it's another, another little tidbit, uh, while I have you and I'm embarrassing myself. The oh. first band that I ever emailed ever was you guys. And I remember, was it that, really? sorry. Was it really us? Really? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I oh, remember the email address was like, Fingers Lou eighty eight at aim at aol dot com or something like that. Yep, that, and, was, that was it. Yeah, and I emailed it, and um, I think it was right after you guys broke up, uh, <laughs> the first time. <laughs> and yeah. I was sad, and I I remember you know saying, oh, like I love you guys, and I I you know I never email any bands or anything, but like you know, um, and of course I wrote something like, you guys must get thousands of emails a day. Uh, you know, that's like the funny thing too. Everyone thinks uh, everyone in these bands are like superstars, you know? And, um, Dan got back to me and I remember he, he wrote like, he, he wrote something like, um, yeah, like we're done, you know, thanks for like buying our records and whatever. And I said, I said like, oh, I never got to see you guys live. And, and Dan wrote something like, ah, we weren't really a very good live band anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That sounds like Dan. So, so that's that's my um, that's my little history of of being a kid coming up on you guys. Oh, but that's crazy! I, I always loved your band, and it's really really good to have you on the show. Um, how, oh, how's your day you. going today? Uh, going good. I'm uh, I'm running around. This is like the first full day I've had since we've been back from Europe. That I've been able to like run errands and stuff, and I was so like so caught up in like just like menial stuff like grocery shopping, and then I got your I got your text. I came in on calling ten minutes. I'm like, fuck! I'm in the middle of grocery store oh, i gotta haul ass back home oh it's all good man no these things happen and like uh i was i was making a joke last week um i had cole from swimmers on and i was making a joke like i called him right at like two o'clock or whatever and he answered and we were yeah. like boom and i was like damn how, how like when two punk rockers can get together and like actually be on time that's an amazing thing yes so don't sweat don't yeah, sweat right, it about the- being late man it's it's it happens almost cool, every cool. time <laughs> and most cool. of the time it's my fault so hey whatever <laughs> so how did Europe go? I'll take one for the team. <laughs> uh, Toronto went great. Like we, it was our first time there, and uh, well, first time in Europe since 2000 and, um, 2010. We we hopped over to do Rock uh, in 2010, but it was our first like full tour over there um, since '99. Started '99, wow. so 18, 18th year, something like that. So it was. Uh, it was eye opening, you know. It's it's a whole it's a whole different world over there now, man. Like it's well, yeah, the I way mean, people communicate, the way people attend shows, like everything was completely different than what I was used to 
experiencing right. before. I mean, in 1999, was there even like the euro yet? Was there what? Was there the euro yet? <laughs> like, like, are we still using different currency in different countries? Because I like, I, I don't know, I don't know when the euro. I'm sure all the Europeans are shaking their head and saying it was like. Oh yeah, no, no, it was different. It was different currencies. It, then. It, it, yeah, it was. You yeah. know, you, you you hoped you stuck, you hoped you stayed in the UK long because you know pounds are pretty easy to you know figure out, but then you know you'd have rubles and pesos and <laughs> you know God knows what else. It yeah. Was, uh, I know it's so it funny, man. That's cool, yeah. and and like I guess your memory too of of 1999, 18 years ago, when you were you know a young buck or a younger buck. Um, yeah, younger. Yeah. And the kids were younger too. Like, did you find the fans were you know the same kids that that saw you in 99, 18 years later, or did you find it was like there had been a lot of younger people that had somehow found out about 88 Fingers Louie over the last 18 years? I, I think it was a pretty good mix of both. I mean, we definitely had people coming up to us saying like, Hey man, we were, we were at your last show, you know, in, uh, uh, in Leeds, we were at your last show in London, like, you know, places like that. But then, you know, we played a few festivals where a lot of people were, you know, younger and, you know, uh, a lot of the credit for people, rec- you know, the younger people getting into us is, you know, has been rise against, it's, right. you know, I'll, I'm, I, I can't hide behind the fact that, you know, the mileage Joe got out of Rise Against definitely helps 88 Fingers. Um, yeah, sure. Even Dan, even Dan did in Rise Against, too, and, yeah. and the bands that he did after that. Um, so it, was a nice, it was a nice mix. And then, of course, you know, you got to see people bring their kids, too, and their kids are at the age now where they're trying to figure out, okay, what kind of music do I like? What kind of music do I, you know, do I not like? Um, and there's, you know, what better way to introduce kids to music than bring them to a festival and make it, you know, a wide variety of bands to check out. So, um, it was a nice, it was a nice mix of both. I was, I, I got to sure. Is it weird being just gone, like just gone for so long, like from tour where, you know, and, and I, I don't, I hate to harp on this, but like we're older now, you know? And like yeah. when you're older, you're, there's different things you care about. Um, you know, and, and you're used to certain like levels of comfort. Was it weird to go back mm-hmm. and kind of like try to tour, the same way because you were, you know, you're like, okay, this is how tour is. Like you guys toured for years all over, you know, the U S and Europe and everything. Was it weird going back and being like, like, Oh shit, like this is different or I'm different or like trying to just kind of figure out how to do it again. Yeah. Well, cause for me, I was, I, I was the only one in the band that, you know, when, when 88 stopped, um, in 99 for the second time, I, I, first of all, I, said I was never going to do a band again. Like I was so tired of band assholes and, you know, the whole thing, you swear you're never going to pick up a microphone again. And then little by little, I started doing music, but none of the bands I was ever in really did any touring outside of, you know, playing Milwaukee, Wisconsin or something. <laughs> right, right, so, right. Like, so, and then since this band's been back together, what, really since 2014, um, we've only done Weekend Warrior type of stuff. Sure. So the idea that I spent, you know, what, 18 days with these guys was like, Oh, what's going to be the breaking point? Like, at what point am I going to pull? You know, I'm 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 a creature of habit. I'm I'm. I know I was an asshole back then. I probably I'm still capable of being an asshole now. At what point? <laughs> what you know? What was going to be my breaking point? At what point was Dan going to say something that was going to make me fly off the handle? You know what I mean? And right. we, we never reached it. The the um, you know, that's not saying people can get crabby with each other because you know you're cooped up in a fucking band for that long, but um. It was, 
wasn't as difficult as an adjustment as I thought it was going to be. I really, I kind of had a little bit of anxiety going into this tour. I didn't tell the guys in the band because I didn't want to worry them. But like, sure. I, I haven't been away. I haven't been away from home, um, you know, for that period of time since you know 1999. And now, and the difference is in 1999, my son was living with his mom. Yeah. And he was uh, four years old. Now he's almost 22, and he's living with me. And now I'm like, oh, you get the place to yourself for two weeks, <laughs> motherfucker. You got to have this place clean when I get home. Like that's what it's turned into. <laughs> that's so funny. And yeah, man, that's. Wow. Like to think of that, it's like crazy, you know, cause I just, you know, I, I like I said in, in, earlier, I like loved your band so much and I kind of like, I always wanted to know more about you as being, you know, mm-hmm. the front man of one of my favorite bands, but it was like, you were such a private person other than what you kind of put yeah. in your songs. So that's kind of crazy. And I yeah. think that you have a 22 year old son and that you wrote that song, like I mentioned about him, um, yeah. when he got older and stuff, you know, what was it like for him realizing that you're, you know, his dad was this like punk rocker, and is he into punk rock and stuff now, or, or what's he into? Oh yeah, he yeah he totally is. He totally is. He he's a he's a uh, he's a smartass. Like he definitely takes after me. He he's at the age now, or you know, he's been at the age now for a few years where he's he'll, he'll be blunt. He'll be like, Dad, you know, you're, I don't know what's going on with your voice, but I'm not as into it as I used to be. You know, you're, <laughs> You need to scream more. You, you kind of sound like you're whining when you're singing. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> fine. But then he'll turn around and be like, hey, man, Rise Fest is coming up. Am I going to be able to get a ticket? I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or, you know, his favorite band's coming through town. Like, you know, I've I been fortunate enough over the years, as I'm sure you have too, just to meet, you know, a variety of bands that, you know, will gladly um, hook you up, for lack of a better word, you know, when they yeah, come into sure. town. Like, hey, man. Sure. We'll love to see it. Let's grab dinner. I'll get you guys on the list. You know, stuff like that. So he, uh, he he's aware of the perks that he gets as a as a son of a of a, 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 a musician. And you know, I think if it was the other way around, I'm, I'm I would think my kid was full of shit if he said that he's like me since the moment he put you know eighty eight fingers Louie on. Like, well, right. People, you know, kids, kids. You know, everybody's taste changed. He's he's more of the um, he he went through a, a bout of. Um, a lot of the more like street punk type of stuff, like you know, your Gothic Murphys and your Screaming Others, and not really Screaming Others, what am I saying? Like Class of '56, a lot of you know street punk stuff, and now he's branched down a little more on the garage rock stuff. But he's always got time for he's always got time for the classics. He's uh, <laughs> we, go, we go. I let him. I let him drive me around, you know, shopping or visiting family or whatever. And, you know, he'll, he'll his his um, shuffle goes everywhere from you know Operation Ivy to uh, jawbreaker to, you know, and it's like, well, that sounds like yeah, a kid with his yeah. head on straight. I, I back that. Yeah, I think exactly. dad did a good job, yeah. uh, figuring out his music. I'm going to go ahead and pat myself on the yeah, back. You showed him it. some yeah. good bands. No, that's great. Yeah. Um, speaking of the new 88 fingers, Louie record, it is out now. Uh, the first record, I guess, since back on the streets, right? Uh, well, first full length since back on the streets. That's what first, I mean. Yeah. Like, New music since the uh, Kid Dynamite split. Yeah, which is wow, which is going back a while. Kid Dynamite, yeah, yeah they've been broken yeah. up for a while too. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, but wild, just wild to be back. And and you know, I put the record on uh, right when it came out. I've never been more excited. And the record is great. You definitely Thank did. You. you definitely the record did what I wanted it to do. Um, as a cool. fan of the band, you know, it still had the fast parts, but it was it was true to the original, but still some modernization. Um, how hard was it yeah. 
for you as a singer, because uh, this is the Lead Singer Syndrome podcast, so we talk about singing a fair amount. As a singer sure. being like, I haven't been in the studio, I haven't recorded you know, a song seriously, like an 88 Fingers Louis song in so long, how hard was it just to walk in and do it? Um, you know what? I, I definitely sweated it in, in, the, in the days leading up to it. You know, I had, I kind of procrastinated on some lyrics and I kind of did like a, 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 you know, one week before I went in the studio, I just kind of crammed and any, yeah. any missing lines I had in songs that kind of tidied those up. And, you know, um, the difference this time around is we recorded it in Dan's, he's got his own studio. Oh yeah. So it was a lot more relaxed. Um, so right, we weren't a lot like, more time. You know, we didn't, exactly. We didn't have to say like, we didn't purchase the block of 10 days at a studio and say, Oh shit, we've got to get everything done. You know, music, uh, vocals, overdubs, mixing, everything's got to get done. In 10 days. This time around was like, dude, come in when you can. Let's spend, you know, let's spend eight to 10 hours. Uh, a day on vocals, and we did that. You know, three, 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 three days, three or four days, maybe three and a half days. And uh, you know, Dan and I's relationship over the years, you know, whether it was said in interviews or not, we we didn't get along. Like one of the reasons, one of the reasons why the band couldn't stay together is him and I butted heads quite a bit. You know, yeah. more so than more so than Joe and I. I mean, Joe and I definitely, um, and Joe and Dan. I mean. I mean, everybody's butted heads with, with everybody, but, you know, <laughs> Dan and I, especially over the years, we, yeah. we we knew how to push each other's buttons. So the idea that, you know, at first it was like, yeah, we're going to record this in my studio where I'm going to be the producer and the engineer. And I'm like, oh, this motherfucker's going to, he's going to take control of everything. And he's, it's going to be like fucking, it's going to be like I'm, I'm recording with Donald Trump or some shit. The Mr. And, Precision uh, Show, yes. Exactly, exactly. Um, but it could not have been more relaxed. I mean, it was... I think right. we had just done, Dewey had just done takes on like the first two songs and I started laughing in the vocal booth and he goes, what's so funny? I go, dude, if we were doing this 18 years ago, I would have told you to go fuck yourself and I would have stormed out of here. We wouldn't have made it through 30 seconds of the first song. Right. I said, but I said, this is, this is fucking great. He's like, all right, shut up and let's keep going. And, <laughs> and the, 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 the time I spent there, uh, it was amazing. And to the point where, you know, I, you know, barring, you know, uh, someone giving us a buttload of money to record our follow-up, I definitely want to keep using Dan and Dan's studio as right. much as possible. Right, sure. Okay, so that's good. So this is not a one-off thing. You guys are, are staying together, no, you're doing some we, more shows, and you hope to do another record. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, we, uh, we, we, we're, we're, we we got a bunch of stuff still lined up for, for this year. We're going to record uh, at least one EP before the end of the year. And then... Wow. Um, We've already talked about ideas that we have for the next full length, so we're not. Uh, we might slow down here and there, but we're definitely not breaking up. Do you have some regrets now about like you know you talk about how you used to be like okay it would be thirty minutes and I'd be fucking out of here you know and you talk about the like yeah. it seems like you almost you had a bit of a chip on your shoulder maybe um, oh, and sure. now and now yeah. you know you've you've kind of chilled out a little bit and relaxed um, is that just something that that is just maturity now uh, having a kid raising a child you know going through all those kinds of things. And do you have regrets about about it? Like, do you wish back in you know ninety nine, you know, if you had a little bit your head on a little bit straighter mm-hmm. or whatever? <laughs> That's a bad expression, right? right. Uh, you know what I mean? If you had your your shit together a little bit more, um, yeah, maybe you know you guys would have gotten through the two thousands and maybe put out some great records. You know, it's it's, it's tough to say because I've definitely kind of gone back to like what my state of mind was back then, and 
Yeah. I was just an angry dude. I was, I was dealing with the fallout of a pretty bitter divorce. And that was what the majority of back in the streets was about. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was trying to see my kid as much as possible, but he was, you know, sometimes an hour to two hours away from me and, you know, uh, having the ways and means of getting out to visit him was, was tough. And then, then I was like, okay, well, uh, I got to get out and do this band while, while we're getting is good. And, you know, I, I would have my, for lack of a better word, I, I'd have my breakdowns on, on the tour because I'd be calling home, you know, this is obviously before cell phones, I'd be fucking calling from a payphone, hoping to God that I, I go get to talk to my kid for five minutes and then I'd be a wreck because he'd say stuff like, when are you coming home, daddy? I'm, you right. know, I want to take you to Chuck E. Cheese or, you know, whatever. And it was rough, but I was also just like, I was just a really angry guy. And I think had I even... Being a dad or not, I was just too angry. I was sitting in the booth pretty, pretty hard. And when uh, when the band split up, what we when what we thought was the final time, um, mm-hmm. I think I maybe waited waited another year or two, and I started going to therapy. Started going to like anger management, you know, stuff. And I just kind of learned to not sweat the small stuff as much. And yeah. so this time around, it's been a lot easier. I I, I know when. Uh, I don't want to keep things to myself. I know when I when it's important to say something that's bothering me. Um, the, the lines of communication with everybody in the band stronger than they've, than it's ever been. Fantastic. Um, no one's afraid. No one's afraid to say they can't do a tour because of right. work or family or right. whatever. So, um, but you know, of course, yeah. I look back. I mean, we when we split up in '99, um, we had already started demoing the follow up to uh, to Back on the Streets. I had just been blown off songwriting practices because I, I wasn't, I just wasn't interested. And then when we went and got in the van, we went on what was supposed to be our final tour. Uh, we were supposed to do a bunch of dates with, um, oh, with the AFI, I think it was. Yeah, we were supposed to do like four or five weeks with them. And we weren't even, we didn't even make it to our first show. Oh, and they were playing me demos of, they were make, playing me demos of songs. That's what, this was, this was the conversation that ended the band. They were playing me demos of songs that I was like, this is fucking generic. I don't like this. I'm not into this. I mean, I was listening to fucking Radiohead and The Verve and right. just, you know, smoking lots of pot and listening to British indie <laughs> rock. I had no, I had no time for, I had no time for punk rock at the time. And at one point Joe goes, dude, you're not committing to anything right now. Do you even want to do this band? Right. And I said, well, let's just do this tour and take some time off because I got to get my head straight when we get back from this tour. Yeah. And rather than, and unfortunately, rather than say, fuck, okay, let's do this tour. Joe and Dan, to some extent, were like, well, fuck you. If you're not into it, we're going home. Yeah. So we turned around after driving for 12 fucking hours, turned around, went home and didn't talk to those dudes for like a solid year. And the irony is, and I'm kicking myself to this day. The irony is I last remembered, Four of those songs were on the first Rise Against record. <laughs> that Tim Son of a bitch. <laughs> kicked ass not, yeah. not that not that I have any any sort of illusion that like, oh, I would have just stuck to it. I would have been as big as Rise Against. No one's saying that, but it's just ironic because you know, uh, that that's the one record that Dan played on. And every once in a while, we'll be at a venue and over the PA, the first Rise Against record will come out. I'll be like, that song sounds familiar. Oh yeah, 
I said no to that one. <laughs> right now it's yeah. I mean, I, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty on these things. It's, it's funny. And, right. I, and I have this memory and I, I mean, you guys broke up a couple times and there was different things going on and there were other, other, you know, projects people were forming, but I remember, yeah. and I think it was maybe at this time you talk about, I think that they had tried to look for a new singer for 88 fingers. Louie. At they that did. point. Yeah. And I remember seeing, yeah. um, you know, seeing like a, a email go out and I, I was mm-hmm. probably 18 or 19 at the time and seeing it. And I was like, Oh my God, my favorite band needs a singer. And I was like a singer <laughs> in a band, but I couldn't scream at that point. I mean, now oh, wow. people know me for being a screamer in Silverstein, right, but I couldn't right. scream. And they were like, Oh, the, the has to be, you know, has to be able to scream. We want, you need someone that can scream. And, uh, and I was like, ah, fuck. And I was like, I, I was like, I could go to Chicago. I could try out and everything. And, and I, I never did it because I was like, oh, they're going to, they're going to want to hear me scream and I won't be able to, but I, I will, yeah. I seriously considered, uh, considered trying out because, you know, I, I love the band so much. And, 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 you know, it's funny when, and you know, I don't know if you know this, but rise against is actually the intro of this show. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's funny, too. And, um, and you know, and we've toured. Silverstein's toured with Rise Against very many times. Uh, I just saw oh, them cool. play in Toronto, you know, and hung out with all of them. And um, and I actually asked Joe um, about, about it because I said, oh, I'm going to yeah. have Dennis on the podcast. And Joe says, yeah, uh, I don't know if he's mad at me like, or what's going on. Um, and I was like, well, why aren't you like doing the, doing the 88 stuff, you know? And, and he's like, oh. I don't know. Like, like it's, you know, so I, I'm kind of, I guess that's my question for you is like, how is Joe, I mean, you guys did some other stuff and Joe wasn't involved. Yeah. What was the conversation there? Cause he obviously was an important part of 88. Oh yeah. Well, we, the, 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 I guess the real seed of the reunion came way back in 2009. Uh, Dan had the idea of doing a show, a one-off show, to, to say, hey, man, it's been 10 years since we played our last show. How funny would it be to do, like, a 10-year breakup anniversary show? I'm like, yeah, that sounds fucking cool. Let's do it. Right. And we reached out to Joe, and Joe was was, was in the middle of, you know, uh, Rise Against campaign. So he couldn't do it. But that show kind of spurred. That one-off show turned into Rise Fest show that year. Right, of course. Uh, we Grooves Rock that... that uh, that following year, and then we started booking it up. Uh, um, we actually started booking a UK tour after that, and that kind of fell through. And we took some of those dates and we turned it into a, a Canadian tour. Uh, I shouldn't say Canadian tour; it was like four or five dates, but you know, Toronto being one of the one of the dates. And um, we came back from that. I think we did one more show, and then I told Dan and, and, and the other guys. Uh, we had this uh, buddy of mine, John Contreras, playing bass at the time. Yeah, I said hey, for the first time, let's break up and, and and stay friends. It's like let's break up drama free and just walk away. So, you know, whether everybody agreed that that was the right decision at the time, um, I don't know. But we walked away. Everybody walked away. You know, um, as friends. And then um, 2013 rolls around, and Joe and I had a conversation, and I can't. I honestly don't remember who brought it up. But 2013 marks 20 years that the band had been since the band had formed. We right. formed in 93. Yeah. And I think it was Joe said, well, fuck, man, let me figure out the Rise Against stuff. And if we can make this happen, let's do a fucking old school 88 show. And that was, you know, 
that was music in my fucking ears. I would love, you know. Right, sure. Nothing, nothing made me happier than to, than to be on stage with Joe. So we probably did into a show um, at the very end of uh, 2013. And we had everybody that had ever been in the band play. We had, cool. obviously, Joe, Dan, and I. We had All your drummers. <laughs> all of our drummers. Don played a whole bunch of stuff. Glenn flew in from Oregon and played a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and then we did a benefit show for an old sound band buddy of ours that passed away, um, kind of helped with some medical stuff, uh, help, help the family pay with medical bills and stuff. And after that show, Joe's like, I, I, you know, what's, what's the, what's the plan for this? I said, I think we want to keep doing it. You know, let's, you want to try and figure it out around the rise against schedule. And he goes, I, I can't even pretend to, to say I, I could do that because if I'm not doing rise against them with my family, right. Like, of okay. course, of course it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, so and, I, and that made total sense, and I said, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna do it." At that point, I didn't. I, at that point, I didn't think we were we're gonna write any anything music. Sure. I just figured we were gonna just you know, kind of pull a pixies and just do a bunch of reunion stuff and and, <laughs> and see where that went. And then, um, you know, then it was I don't know midway through 2014 when the the the, the demo started coming out and people started talking about new music. And at that point, I just I I. I didn't talk to Joe about it just because I, I just knew Joe wasn't um, going to be a part of it. It right. wasn't like a, it wasn't like a fuck you to him. It was just like, well, no point in talking to the old bass player about writing new music when he's, <laughs> when he's writing music with somebody else. Sure. Um, well, and also, also, I mean, Rise Against is on a major label. Joe's probably yeah. signed. He's probably got a contract with somebody. Oh, yeah. like, kind of he legal... can't just go and record with someone else without getting permission. Probably, you know, that's probably a whole thing too. Yeah. Right? Oh, sure. I don't, I don't, so, I don't pretend to know what, what, what any of that's about, but I got to imagine there's a variety of hoops that that guy have to jump through. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, what's well, funny. I, I mean, I, when we did our, uh, one of our first tours when Silverstein was getting off the ground was with Rise Against. Mm-hmm. We did two weeks with them. This is like 2003. Um, oh, wow. and I had an 88 fingers Louis shirt. It had a, it was blue and <laughs> had a robot on it and it said there are several codes oh, and yeah. I know several of them. And I know several of them. I remember that quote exactly. I have, <laughs> I have, still have the shirt. So I like had it on one day, and and I said to Joe, "Look, look!" And he was just like, it wasn't like he was embarrassed of '88, but he was, you know, he's like, "Oh, it's like my old band." I'm like, "It's one of the greatest punk bands ever." <laughs> so shut the fuck up. This, and it's your your band, and you're a great bass player. Don't don't downplay don't downplay this band. Yeah. So um so you know I I know that you know obviously like. Like after that, Rise Against just exploded, and they were that was yeah. on that tour was when I found out they were going to sign to a major label, and I remember talking to oh, Tim wow. about it, and, and Tim saying, "I don't know, like we don't even know if this is a good idea," and it worked out. And who thought that that kind of music that they were writing, you know, mm-hmm. for you basically, you know, an extension of that would be able to be played on the radio? Like no one thought that, right? No. Like it must have blown your fucking mind when you started hearing Rise Against on the radio. Oh, it was it was it was a trip. All of a sudden, you know, I I, I and it, it wasn't any sort of competitive thing for me. But I actively picked up new Rise Against records as they came out because right. I was friends with all those guys. Like I, I I would never say a bad word about Tim. I think Tim's a great fucking guy. I was a huge fan of Baxter. I love the Killing Tree. You know, yeah. Tim and Tim and I have had so many talks about various types of music over the years. Like. I consider that dude, you know, one of the most stand-up dudes out there. So he's one of the I had best. An active yeah, absolutely, interest. I had an active interest in what these guys were doing. 
And then when I started hearing songs like Give It All on the fucking radio, I'm like, wait a second. Someone pulling a fucking joke here? Did some <laughs> DJ, did some, some disc jockey in Chicago go to the bathroom and his fucking intern decided, huh, I'm going on a punk rock song. I guess right. what I, you know what I mean? And then, and then it just, all of a sudden you couldn't turn on the fucking, you know, back when they were playing music videos on TV, you couldn't turn on MTV or VH1 without seeing a fucking video. And then, and it's like, oh, down they're doing K-Rock's Weenie Rose, or they're going to do Q101's Christmas in yeah. Jamboree, whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is insane. And then, you know, bumping into Joe and, and, and Kim right around that time, too, when they were at home, and they were just they were just shrugging their shoulders. They couldn't believe it. They were just as incredulous about it as, as everybody else. Like, we're going to just ride this out. I think they probably thought they had a year or two to, 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 to ride it out. I think but you're right, just, yeah, yeah. I know, I, and, and like I, I remember the one one of the first. Um, well, when I you know I interview people now, I don't claim yeah. to be a journalist or anything, but I remember back in the day we were on tour with Rise Against on the second time, so it would have been like two thousand and seven, mm-hmm. and there was some publication set up this thing where we interview them and they interview us or whatever. So oh. like, I mean, I'm going to take yeah. it seriously. So I asked him about the radio thing, and I said, you know, oh hey, like what's that about? Like, it's, is it weird? You know? And, and he goes, you know what? They came to us. We didn't change our music for the radio. The radio just started playing our music. And, and exactly like you said, they shrugged their shoulders and said, well, fuck it. Like, (laughs) we're not going to say no, don't play our music that we love, that we care about. So it's just, just for you, you, from your perspective, I think is so interesting because you literally were like a couple years away from that potentially happening. I mean, obviously you're not Tim. Tim's not you. And, right. you know, but who knows how it would have evolved, you know? Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, you and exactly. Tim basically have very similar vocal styles. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I see that, if I, if I hear that, but it, I, I, I've heard that from other people for years. Like, right. Yeah. Um, I, I just can tell you that I love his voice. I think he's got a great voice. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of your voice, yeah. um, you know, the new record, you sound great. Some of the old records, I always felt like, your vocals were buried. Yes. What, like, do you know what I'm and talking I, about? Like, behind bars, oh yeah. very, very buried, and the old stuff, too. And even back on the streets is pretty buried. And it always, always bummed me out. I was always like, can I just call, can I call whoever mixes this and be like, can I get the vocal up one, you know? Because it always bummed me out. And the new record's great, because I yeah. can hear you. I, I think back then... There was definitely a level of insecurity on my part. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I was sure. not a fan of my own voice. And I, 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 I can't say this any other way other than I think Dan was just a whore for his guitar sound. And I think he just wanted to make sure the guitars <laughs> on, the, on the other 88 stuff were loud. Joe wanted to make the bass sure was pretty, bass. The bass is pretty ripping on those songs, too. Yeah. Uh, but he's, fun, but he's sure a great bass, bass player. So, you know. He is. Yeah. The three, the three things... The three things I think that were the priority back then were uh, loud, hard, hard, noisy guitars, whatever. Joe's galloping bass, and they had to, that that fucking kick had to be nice and loud, yeah, because everybody wanted it. Everybody wanted to have that no effects fucking kick back then. And then I was like, "Oh, then Dennis's vocals will come in. Yeah, yeah they'll, be, they'll be okay. We'll, we'll we'll rest them in the mix." And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, you know. I would cr- I would cringe when I would hear my vocals isolated because again we were working on we were working on a limited amount of time we were I, I was having to do you know four or five songs a day and I only had a you know 
short amount of time to do it. So it was like, all right, it's punk rock. It doesn't have to be perfect. And, you know, right. as in the technology over the years, now it's like, oh, we can still be punk rock, but God damn it, I'm going to sing this way. Exactly. This time. And that's, and that's why I want to make sure I did now, um, especially with this record, because, you know, I, I, I spend the most, even though I did some cramming with lyrics at the, at the last minute, I've never spent more time working on melodies and working on lyrics than I did on this record. This right. is absolutely this is this a labor of love in the in the in the in the purest sense, I think. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Well, you know what's funny, too, and, and this doesn't get talked about anymore, and younger people, especially even younger people in bands, don't understand mm-hmm. this, but like, we come from an era where we remember recording on two-inch tape and recording on you know, yeah. ADAT and stuff to where, like, okay, you do a take, and then they go, okay... And to do it again, you'd have to wait for the tape to rewind uh-huh. and then do it again. And that takes time to, you yeah. know, and not to mention like uh, auto-tune. I mean, like back then it wasn't a thing. And I don't right. like a lot of people don't understand that auto-tune is on just about every record these days. People think of auto-tune, oh, they think that. of T-Pain and they think that that's mm-hmm. like that that's like what oh when i hear that sound then oh that's auto tuned so if i don't hear that it's not auto tuned yeah but that's just the fact of the matter there. it's just subtle yeah it's subtle yeah and i mean honestly like i don't know if without auto tune i would be a professional singer at least when i started i was pretty pretty damn pitchy but i came, but we came up in 2003 when it was like okay yeah you can put you can auto tune it and then i sound good you know so it's yeah. it's like funny now looking back at at behind bars or or to a lesser extent, back on the streets, those records, like it's like, oh well, the singer can't sing. He's like out of key. It's like, no, it's not that he couldn't sing. It's that he only got one take to do it, and then they had to rewind the tape. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah exactly. and there was no auto tune. Exactly. So it's just, it's just a funny thing. Just, just it's like of that era, and then of course it's like everyone was trying to be punk, and, and you know, and mm-hmm. and no one thought it was, this was like going to be a real career. I'm sure, I'm sure you didn't think you were going to be putting out a new record in 2017. Yeah, no, no one, no one, no one thought that far ahead. I, I was taking, even back then, I was just taking things really every few months at a time because, you know, uh, I was, I, I feel like I was the only, well, I was certainly the only parent in the band back then. Yeah. Um, and, but I think I was the only one because of it. I was, I was one of the only ones that was living outside of their parents' house. I think Joe and Dan for the majority of 88's time back then, were living in their parents' house, so they had nothing in the way of too much utilities. Maybe a car payment here, a phone payment there. Right. Um, but you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't think you know every every tour. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this when I was in Europe. I used to think every tour that we did could could have been our last because we were just such a volatile group. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. me, me with me with Irish temper, Joe with his Italian temper. <laughs> Dan just being Dan. <laughs> it was uh, it was tough, but like I said, everybody everybody's growing up, and it's a whole different ballgame now. Was it weird when you guys like like one thing I loved about your band 
is that you guys were always heavier and you guys had like mm-hmm. a lot of hardcore influence and I love that because there mm-hmm. weren't that many bands really kind of doing it like you guys did. Was it hard for you guys like fitting in because you didn't really fit in with, you know, the Fat Records like poppy skate punk and you definitely didn't mm-hmm. fit in with like 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 hardcore bands. Like, I mean, you guys did like a Gorilla Biscuits cover and stuff, but you were in no way in that world either. Right, so right. so how because because I can relate this a little bit to myself, which I always do in these these podcast episodes. Because Silverstein's <laughs> like that too, where we don't really fit yeah. in because we're we're too we're too soft for the metal bands and we're too heavy for the pop punk bands. So how was that for right, you guys? Right. Was that a challenge? Uh, I think in some ways it was, but that was the you know that was the bonus of having four guys with four different musical tastes in the band. You know, I I certainly was not. I loved hardcore. But I didn't love it as much as Joe did. You right. know what I mean? I loved certain punk rock bands, but I didn't love those bands as much as Dan and Joe did. Right. I wasn't. A, I was never. I never was a metal guy. I, I, I had my little hard rock phase before I got into punk rock. You know. Yep. Or hair metal, whatever the fuck you want to call. It. But I didn't. I never had a thrash metal phase. I didn't start listening to bands like Slayer until maybe ten years ago. Like, <laughs> so that that was completely out of my, out of my, uh, out of my range. Uh, for the longest time. Yeah. I was a kid that just, I grew up on what my parents listened to, and that was the Beatles and, you know, Motown and, and, and um, in stacks and, 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 you know, and then the seventies, you know, yacht rock stuff. Like, yeah. So I, I always had a really keen sense of, of, of melody. And what I thought was cool was as we started working more of a hardcore influence into our stuff, Sure, there were songs that I just did nothing but scream. But then there were songs where I was like, I could scream, or I could sing something really fucking melodic over it and see how it would sound. And, you know, uh, trial and error. Some some stuff worked out great, some stuff didn't. Um, but in terms of playing, it was really neat because we definitely got a lot of traction out of recording uh, the Girl Disco song, New Direction, and then even yeah. uh, Victim and Pain, Diagnostic Front. Um you know, they opened us up to play, to play with a lot of uh, bands, especially on the East Coast. Like, you know, we, right. we we got to be friendly with the Lifetime guys because they were a fan of, you know, our more hardcore stuff. And then, yeah. obviously, out of, obviously, out of Lifetime, became our friendship with, with Kid Dynamite. Yeah, sure. You know, um, and, and, and touring with those guys, we toured the uh, Southeast and East Coast with those dudes um, in either 98 or 99. Yeah. And, the majority of the people that, that, that came out were obviously, kid, you know, we were in Kid Dynamite's turf, and the majority of the people that came out were hardcore kids, but they were in our shit, too. And, of course, they weren't even pay for shit. When we, we, like, we turned to each other at each of these shows, like, we have to do the whole business song. You're like, don't, 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 uh, don't turn the hose on us so we don't turn these fucking, do these hardcore covers. Um, yeah. So I think, I think, Joe's hardcore influence, Dan's metal influence, and my, for lack of a better word, pop influence. I think, you know, especially with the Kid Dynamite split, that's when we kind of, we, we figured out the best way to combine the best of all three worlds. And right. um, it's just a shame that that was, that was a trajectory we could have taken further, but, you know, life happened at that, you know, shortly after we recorded that yeah. record. So. Well, there's also, a, 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 I mean, you guys are on Hopeless Records, you're mm-hmm. kind of the flagship band, uh, for lack of a better word, on Hopeless, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. and you kind of you know you help them build their brand and build their label big time. Um, Silverstein was on Hopeless for for three records as well, um, mm. and 
I'm kind of curious why the new record isn't on Hopeless. Did you talk to them? We did. We did. Um, I'm going to be as diplomatic as I can because I've, I've learned over the years that talking shit is, doesn't do anybody any good. Um, <laughs> okay. I, uh, I'm not going to talk I, shit, I, but here we go. <laughs> but these motherfuckers, let me tell you. No. Um, I, I had a, a bit of a souring experience with Hopeless when my band after 88, uh, the story so far. Oh, yeah. I wanted uh, to ask real, you about the story so far, too, which is... The, the real story so far. The, real we'll get, sto- we'll the, get, the first one, we'll, yes. We'll, we'll, we'll get in those fake assholes later. That's when I get sucked shit. Um, but I kind of had a souring, a, a sour experience working with them on the story so far because um, I, I felt like they didn't push that at all. And once, once the advertising for that EP... Uh, right now, and you know, record stores stopped carrying the record. Or they didn't know about it, and I just felt like they just kind of dropped the ball. And then um, they're just they, they they we've been we've been wanting to uh, remix, especially remix um, behind bars for years. Dan's like, I gotta I gotta get these fucking tapes back. I, I gotta right. do something with this. Right. Because I don't want to throw any extra songs on there. I just want to remix and remaster this motherfucker. And um, they just were, they were, they weren't really good at, at, at communicating. And when they were, it was very, it just was very like, uh, I don't know even what the word is. Like they weren't, they weren't rude to us, but it was just very short. The communications were very short. They were just like very quick, you know, emails back or whatever. Yeah. And then when the time came for um, the shop, shop, you know, we shot four four songs off the record. Uh, we started shopping around to, to different labels. We sent it to, to Hopeless. We sent it to Revelation. We sent it to a whole bunch of other labels. And Hopeless said, uh, I didn't have this conversation Dan did, but, so I'm going to be paraphrasing him, but it was something like, hey, that's not the kind of music that we're really pushing anymore. And oh, okay. When I heard that, I was like, yeah, it, was, it was a bit of a sting, but again, I was, I've been kind of vocal over the years about how bummed out it was how they treated the Story Safari EP. Right. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm looking at the roster bands, and this is no disrespect to, to, to you know, Newfound Glory or, or Yellow Card or any of those bands. But I looked at the roster of the bands, and I was like, at one point, they, they, now they seem like they're the, instead of like a, their, their label's probably still out now, but certainly back then, they were like, um, minor league record labels to for a band to jump up to a major. Yeah. Whereas now hopeless, in my opinion, I'm not speaking of the band. I'm from my, in my opinion, they seem like they're a record label for bands that had their major label experience to be like, Oh, major labels suck. Okay. Come on down. Right. So you, there's, there's that stable of bands now in hopeless that had their time on a major label. And now hopeless is just like, okay, well here's just take a, you know, a step or two, you know, down for lack of a better way. No, to say I think it. I think you're right. Def definitely with the, like taking back Sunday and Yellow Card and All Time Low uh-huh. went to a major label and came back and stuff. I think that that's a element of what they're what they're doing. Um, they obviously uh-huh. they do have some younger newer bands like 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 Neck Deep and um, uh, oh God, I don't have the roster in front of me, but they have a bunch of bands that are up and coming. Um, but I get yeah. it. I mean, I, I get it too from their perspective because yeah, like when was the last time they put out like a, a skate punk record? 
Right. Like me, I mean, maybe it was behind bars. I mean, not behind bars. Maybe it was back on the streets. You know, I mean, you know. Um, so, so it's you know, it's it's. I kind of get it from their perspective too. It's just for me. I always remembered like when when I would think when I was a kid. I would think of Hopeless Records. The okay, what bands are on Hopeless Records? Well, Eighty Eight Fingers Louie. That's the band. That's the band. You know. Yeah. And um and you yeah. know you guys were on Fat Records for like a minute too. Uh, I'm surprised yeah. you didn't maybe go down that route. Well, um, it's funny you mentioned that. There's 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 a bit of a I don't I don't even see Pat a lot anymore. There was a bit of a tension uh, with Dan and Fat Records because of how the whole Rise Against thing was handled. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. It was, you know, unfortunately, you know, I, I can't speak out of turn, um, but in addition to, you know, Joe splitting up with, with, with the band, you know, having those conversations with Joe and Tim, a lot of that was, 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 was Mike and the label saying like, Hey, no one's going to take you seriously with a guy with long hair in your band. So I think it was kind of like a communication between the label and Joe and Tim to, you know, tell Dan to kind of hit the bricks. So, there's been some, some, some weird shit that still hasn't been resolved over the years. Now, right, right, right. That, being, that being said, we did um, Amnesia Rock Fest a couple of years ago, and um, I think Mike was there because he was playing with me first. I don't think NoFX played that. He okay. was with me first thing. But uh, Mike came up to me um, uh, by one of the stages, and he's like, Dennis, does Dan still hate me? Tell me why he hates me. And I straight up said, you're going to have to fucking conversation with Dan, dude. Like, right. For once, there's, for once there's band drama, it's got nothing to do with me. I was always the fucking, you know, instigator of that shit. I go, it's right against you. That's got nothing to do with me. Have a conversation with Dan. Right. We talked for a little bit, and, and, and I think Dan felt a little bit better about that, but we just, one of our last shows of this European tour, we played Punk Rock Holiday, yeah. and Aaron came out. Aaron was out. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Aaron, uh, that, Aaron, that Colin's Fat Records. Yep. Just for clarification yeah, exactly. for people yeah. that are listening. Yep. Yeah, sorry. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Colin of Fat Records. And she uh, came came into our green room and she's like, uh, Is Dan around? I go, Yeah. And Dan walks in and feels like this kind of like a, I don't want to say sensible, it was just like a, 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 a pause. And Aaron's like, Well, are you going to fucking hug me or what? So then she, he comes over <laughs> and he hugs her and then they went off and they talked. And yeah. Dan came back and, and he was all smiles. I was like, we, has the hatchet been buried now? He goes, I don't say it's been buried, but part of the hatchet's in the ground now. I'm like, shit, right. all right. right. So cool. So there's progress. So we never sent, we never sent the album to, to that because Dan, uh, Dan didn't want to. And I, I had to respect his, I had to respect his wishes. I might not have agreed with it, but I right. No, 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 no. That's, that's, so, that's fine. No. And um, yeah, it's, that's great, great insight on us to, you know, how that all, all shook out. Well, hey, I don't want to take yeah. up too much more of your time. Um, uh, but, oh, yeah, the story so far. We were going to talk about that. And it's funny because cause yeah. when I first heard of the story so far, you know, the band that people listen to this know as the band, they're from, you know, California, uh, mm-hmm. doing some big things, putting out some, you know, popular band now. When I first heard oh, yeah. of them and I heard people talking about them, I said, oh, shit. So Dennis is, Dennis is doing story so far again. This is great. And they're getting popular. Everyone's talking about this band. I'm like, oh, I know, I know stories so far. I, I, I got their yeah. EP. I have their EP. And everyone's like, what? And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I was so confused. And a lot of people, a lot of people, I wasn't alone. A lot of people were confused about that. Um, and, yeah. and so, and then, and then it's funny because 
I was, you know, doing a little bit of digging around the other day, just, you know, doing research to talk to you. Not that I really yeah. need to, but, um, and then I saw that, that I think it was like 2013, um, you guys, the story so far, Chicago version made a little yeah. statement saying like, basically, yeah, they, they stole our name and they knew about us and we're kind mm-hmm. of fucked because our music is like their music and people are getting, you know, it's kind of a mess. Yeah. On, 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 on Spotify and, I, and, and iTunes, when you, um, when you type up stories so far, it, it would ultimately either have their picture with our music or our picture with their music. And, you know, we, they kind of got the ball some communication going with, you know, got with me and the, and the guys in the band and, a couple of guys were like, we got to get a lawyer. We got to really figure this shit out. I'm like, hold up. We put out one fucking right. EP. Right. Like, we trademarked the name. Here's the, the ironic part is we trademarked the name. Oh, yeah. Um, but we trademarked it in 1999, I think. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right after 88 broke. I started, I joined stories about literally a week after 88 broke up. Like, I was like, it was like a race to state to see who was going to start a band first, Dennis or the other guys. <laughs> and I won. I was the winner. I was the winner. Um, but, you know, the, the trademark was sold. I, I, I don't know the first thing about the legal side of that and what we even had a case. But we had attempted to reach out to their management. And, uh, yeah, I want to say it was their manager. We just said, hey, can we at least start a conversation about this? You know, um, no one wants to do anything, you know, uh, litigious, you know, or anything like that. But we'd like to start a communi- you know, line of communication. And if I remember correctly, the email response we got was LOL. And that was it. Wow. And so then, so then we're just like, what the fuck? Really? So then right. one of the guys, like the that's, that's no, that's up. not very professional. Yeah. No. And so then one of my guys from, from my story so far started a Facebook page, made everybody admins. And then it just became a war. It wasn't even a war with the fucking story so far. It was a war with us and story so far fans. Like, Give it up, Grandpa. Nobody oh, likes yeah, your yeah. old man music. It's like, oh, all right, enough. Right. Enough is enough. So we, for for like a three month period, we were trying to figure out do we have anything to go with, and a couple guys still wanted to kind of pick it, you know, continue it, but you know, what's done is done. Right. It's been a long time. No, I certainly was confused, and and uh, <laughs> that's that's funny that that happened. And um, hey, whatever, yeah. right? And maybe like. Maybe once, if you if you play your cards right, you can get like a royalty check sent to the wrong address from like <laughs> right. from ASCAP or BMI or whatever. Like they'll get confused, and yep. <laughs> if that happens, you're just yep, gonna yep. you can you're the one saying LOL if that happens. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that, 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 that five thousand dollar royalty check. Oh yeah, I've been in the stories of art. I've been in the stories longer than they've been in the stories of art. That's, yeah, and if that happens, fair, and if that is happening or has happened, you're definitely not going to say that on the record. So, no, of course not. Not. That is very funny, Dennis. Well, hey man, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, before I let you go, uh, I got two questions for you. I want to know what's up with '88 next, so you can tell the people, so people can come check you guys out on tour or whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. What's up? Uh, next, we've got. Uh, I don't know when this is going to come out, but we're, we're doing our um, our hometown uh, record release show for the for the new album. Thank you for being a friend. That's coming up That's next right. Saturday, the twenty sixth of August. And then we've got um, all of September off. October will be in your fine country, 
doing a uh, nice a Vertitech, Vertitech presents tour. Um, we're doing uh, not quite Quebec City, somewhere in the outskirts. Okay. Um, we're doing that. We're doing Ottawa, and we're doing Toronto. Nice. Um, and it's I believe it's us Belvedere oh, and sick. Touch Gold. Sick. Uh, us Belvedere, Touch Gold, and Sled, which is um, Garrett from uh, Bird Attacks Band. Cool. Uh, so four four band little track. Uh, that's at the start of October, and then at the end of October, we're going to Fest in Florida for the first time. Nice. Um, that'll be perfect. So that'll for be you fun. Guys. That'll be really great. Yeah, we've been. I've been. Uh, I've been wanting to go ever since the band started playing again, so yeah. I'm glad this this happened. And then um, we just confirmed some East Coast dates. I don't have the dates in front of me, but we're gonna Great. be heading uh, into the Eastern U.S. Um, in the middle of November. Fantastic. And then, then December, I believe we have off. January, we're going to do some Hawaii dates. And then we're going to figure out uh, figure out some new some new music. And um, fingers crossed, get over to uh, Australia and Japan. Perfect, dude. That sounds amazing. So people all over the world pretty much can can check out 88 Fingers Louie, you know, yes, many, hopefully. many years later <laughs> after... You know, back on tour, and it's great to see you guys back. The new record is awesome. Um, is that a Golden Girls reference? It is a Golden Girls reference. Perfect. We have uh, <laughs> we have long championed Golden Girls for for as long as I can remember, and it's also it also kind of ties to just kind of gratitude that we can all still play music together, and it's kind of a way of saying thanks to everybody that's stuck by us over the years too. Well, one of my very good friends has in, in, male friends has a Golden Girls half sleeve. <laughs> With all That's the Golden so awesome. Girls, yep, yep, he does. And and there was actually a punk band. I don't want to give you any ideas, uh, but yeah. there there was a punk band in my hometown, local band. Uh, shout out to KWH um, that used to cover the Golden Girls theme song, like punk rock. No shit. I don't want to give you any uh, ideas, but it, but it would be pretty. No, sick. no, no. That's our that's our walk on music. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> a walk on music. But well, you should walk on and then start playing it. Like go, okay, da 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 da. Thank you for being a friend. You know, it'd be sick. Maybe we will. Maybe, Maybe you will. will. Hey, hey, if you need a manager. Okay. Uh, dude. Um, my man. All right. There you go. No, thanks so much. So um, I want to do something different this week with some music. I always play music at the end. I'm going to play 288 yeah. songs. I want to play okay. your favorite, and then I want to play my favorite. So what's your uh, what's your favorite 88 song? Oh, um... I'm gonna go ahead and plug a, a new '88 song because I knew you'd do not? that. I knew you'd do that, you bastard. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I I hope this doesn't sound too too uh, high headed of me, but um, I, I my favorite song on the album "Change." I, I, I do generally love everything that we put on this record, but I would say um, kind of now more than ever, I think uh, "All the Right Words" would probably be the the song I would go with. Okay. Well, I'm going to play that, and then I'm going to slam them with my favorite after. So, hey, Dennis, thank you so much for doing this, man. It's great to talk to you. Great to catch up. And uh, as a fan of your work, it's just really, really, uh, really nice to talk to you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And I hope to see you in Toronto. Actually, no, you know what? I'll, I'll be on tour. I won't be able to make it. Like, I miss every show I always, but hey. That's unacceptable. Oh, whatever. I'm have flying. I'm flying somewhere. Tour. I'll have see you. Have a great you. fucking tour, Shane. <laughs> All the best, man. Hey, thanks so much. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. Yeah, cheers. All right, bye. See ya. So there it is with Dennis. 
Wow, that stuff about Rise Against was pretty crazy. It is, you know, kind of wild to think about a band as monumentally important as Rise Against is, you know, now to to punk rock, to, to mainstream punk rock. And, you know, if Dennis hung out a little bit longer in that band, who knows? Rise Against just may have never become a thing. Next week, we will be back. By the way, I'm going to start putting up these episodes every Tuesday, not every Monday. Basically, just my schedule these days. I almost always have Mondays off, so that gives me a chance to do some last-minute work and some finishing touches on the episode. So, if you guys are are waking up Monday morning being like, where's the new episode of LSS? Well, it's coming now on Tuesday, and I'll put it up early if I can, of course, but, you know... Tuesdays just work out a lot better for me, and I hope that you understand. If you don't, then call the hate line and give me some shit, okay? But hey, if you want more, if you want more than just the one episode on Tuesday or Monday or whenever the hell I feel like putting it up, check out the All Access Club. Right now, we've got about 220 members. It is a super, super fun group. Everyone's hanging out on the Facebook. We're exchanging memes. We're talking about music. We're debating. I'm on there too. I'm doing monthly Q&A sessions. Sometimes I get on there and play a few tunes. It's a really, really great group. And also, of course, you get bonus episodes. You get these really cool patches mailed to your house every three months. We do some contests. We do some meetups too. Shout out to everyone coming out to Cinderfest. And if you want Lead Singer Cinder merchandise, the only way to get it is through the All Access Club. So check it out. It's leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. All the info is there for as little as $6 a month. You can be a member. And again, it really, really does help me keep the lights on around here and keep this show going week after week. Once again, the link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. So I'm going to play Dennis's pick. And then I got to play a classic. When this record came out, Back on the Streets, I was so excited. I had loved 88 Fingers Louie and they had broken up and I thought that that was it for the band. They came back with this record. I remember I went to the record store on the first day to try to buy it. I couldn't find it anywhere. I went to like four record stores and I finally got the record. I listened through and I remember hearing this song starting out with the bass and I was like, oh man, this is going to be a good one. And to this day, it's still my favorite. So I'll play Dennis's pick first, New Jam, but here's the classic, 100 Proof by 88 Fingers Louie on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next week. For as long as I remember, the answer to my friends. I wasted my time.